Today we're throwing them at you left and right, trying to catch up for lost time, especially since uh, the big project is all taken care of. Like we talked about in yesterday's episode, there's another project that I'm in the middle of that shouldn't, it doesn't need as much creativity, but there might be a lot of cleanup. Um, and you don't need to hear about that. Uh, today's guest we recorded yesterday, and it was one of these things where I, I don't know a lot about the subject, and there's a very simple reason why I can't grasp it. Um, in reality, in, in, in practicality, in, in pra- whatever. School choice. Um, I just remember as a kid, you went to the school that was in your neighborhood. And if you didn't go to the public school that was in your neighborhood, you went to the Catholic school that was in your neighborhood. And I know things have changed drastically throughout the school system um, in in decades. Uh, things would be unrecognizable to me now from safety to matriculation to grades. Some for the better, maybe some not for the better. Um, work asked me to do uh, to interview uh, Beth Lawson uh, to talk about school choice and and um, dismiss some narratives and put some facts out there and correct some things. And I did my very best, as I almost always do, to prep for an interview. Um, I asked a friend who w- was not thrilled with school choice, and I was told that 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 takes money out of um, that damages public schools. It can take money away from public schools. I directly asked that question to Beth and you can hear the answers. Um, I didn't get a sketchy vibe from Beth. Um, and really after having a, having a data reflect on this, the only real question that I wish I would have asked was, and I thought about this at the time, something about like uh, 450% of the, the poverty level for a family of four or 150%. Um, you can make $150,000 and still get like almost like a full scholarship. It seemed like we're, we're potentially giving a big chunk of money uh, to people who might not necessarily need it. Um, I hope you get something out of it. It's still a little bit over my head and it's really hard for me to grasp again because I'm not sending a kid to school and, uh, and my closest friends, the ones that you hear on this show all the time uh, are not there yet. So we don't talk about those, those problems and issues. Uh, it didn't sound too sketchy to me. Um, and there's probably as usual, some unintended consequences Maybe some of them will be good. Some may be bad. We shall see. So enjoy that chat. We get to Beth here in a couple of minutes. Heads up. Um, busy, some busy times coming up. It's, it's that time of year. Um, the Run for Life, Christian's Corners Run for Life, when Nikki and uh, Nikki Lakata from Dana and Amanda Held from Hooves were here last month to chat about that. Maybe I'll see you Saturday. You don't have to run. You don't have to register. If you just want to come out and support the cause, I appreciate it. The following Saturday is KixCon. If you have ever been frustrated because uh, you lost out on on a Saturday morning 10 a.m. Nike lottery, whether that's sketchy, rigged, or not, or uh, you lost out and then you saw how much they cost on the resale or the secondary market, the 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 fifty dollar tax or whatever it might be, uh, KixCon is happening at Franklin Park Mall, and I am I guess you can call me a sneakerhead light. I have really cut back on my expensive shoe purchases. 
in the last two years, I guess, because I just got to the point where like, there's a bunch of shoes in my closet and I've never worn them. They're still in the box or I've worn them once and that's that. And I have, I, I did luck out in one and I'm through and through all Nikes. Have been since a kid, since I was a kid. Uh, you, you can probably count on one hand how many other brands, like athletic brands, Adidas, Reebok, whatever, Puma, that I've had since I was a kid. Um, you know, go back decades now, one hand. Uh, I did win one lottery, and I, I knew that they were kind of sought after, but I had no idea that they would be like a $1,000 shoe kind of thing, which they are on a lot of the secondary apps. The Travis Scott, uh, Jordan, Jordan 3, uh, 4s. Uh, that, that is my favorite Jordan fours. I also like threes. Those are the ones I focus on. And, um, when I started to wear them, I stepped in dog shit. They're probably still worth $500 if I wanted to sell them. Um, but KixCon happens next week. Finish line is a sponsor and soul status, which is a, a pretty dope resale, resale shop in the mall. And you know what? Buy, buy you shoes. Let me spend 225 bucks on them if I win a Nike lottery and then I'll sell them and then you can get them for like 150 and they're probably, they, they look almost new anyway, but I've cut back on my shoe buying because I hated seeing these shoes just sit in my closet. Uh, KixCon is that that day, next Saturday. And then October 7th is this year's Out of the Darkness Walk with AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I don't know if I will have uh, Megan or anyone on to talk about that, but you know the deal. Um, come on out. Um, we acknowledge, we don't read the names anymore of, of those who have been lost to suicide. Um, it just took too long. Like, it, it's 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 good that so many people come out. It's bad that this is still such a problem and and a growing problem that we can't seem to get our hands around. I heard a commercial today. It said the COVID-19 pandemic. Now it's a mental health pandemic. It really is. I mean, it was lurking all along and COVID blew it open. Uh, we don't read all those names anymore. We we have a wall where we acknowledge them. Uh, there is ceremony. We don't do balloons anymore. I think we wave flags or ribbons. It's a really nice morning. It is. There are a few minutes where it is extremely sad and somber, and you can hear the the whimpering because people have lost loved ones. Sometimes surprisingly, sometimes because they thought they had gotten their loved ones over the hump and those loved ones were hunted down again by the, by the suicidality and addiction or whatever it may have been, a, a broken brain. Uh, but it, it really is a, a positive overall. Uh, overall, it is a positive, uplifting morning at Promenade Park. Um, let's see, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We did it uh, virtually, 21, 22. 20, is this my 10th year doing it? Wow. It is an honor. It is an honor. And um, much like when I, I spoke at, so I did some mental health stuff at the uh, Jewish Federation's Inclusion Day. I got to think of something because I've been in a good spot for quite some time. And after I think through that, I go, oh, it's because my medications are doing what they want to. And uh, if I stop taking them, I'm probably no more than two weeks away from a meltdown where I'm overcome with anxiety and my imagination truly gets the best of me and has me making all kinds of doctor's appointments or the depression doesn't lift after a quiet, boring day and then I just want to stay in bed and then I go to sleep hoping I don't wake up.
But my medication keeps all that from happening. Uh, bu- 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 oh, uh, back to the KixCon for just a minute. I have noticed, and I will ask the sneaker experts, here's my, here's my theory. Um, I have noticed, obviously, for several years now, Vans have become enormously popular. Uh, I don't know why. I maybe a, a hip hop star because so much is appropriated from hip hop and black culture. And I wish more people in that culture pointed it out as they do other times where things are appropriated or stolen. So much emerges from uh, black culture and, and is not duly credited. I'm going to guess that, that that somebody, some hip-hop artist wore Vans and, and they blew up because I see people of all colors wearing Vans. I see black kids. I see white people. I see blue, all over, all colors. And I, I always knew that they were a, a less expensive shoe. Um, and then a bit after that, once somebody pointed it out to me, I'm like, a lot of people are buying like Nike Dunks. And I was pretty sure those are like a 90 or $100 shoe. And then over the last couple of years, um, maybe another reason I haven't bought a lot of shoes because I like Jordan 3s and 4s and a couple of other numbers that are like 7, 8, 9, 10. I, I'm not good knowing my Jordan numbers um, except for the ones that I like. In the last couple of years, ones have been extremely, extremely popular, like the original ones with uh, a ton of different colors. They're black, red, white. You would probably know them if you saw them um, as long as you saw them in those colors. There's uh, different colors. Of those are the high top versions. And then there's there's uh, low top versions or maybe mids. Um, but I always knew, even though I didn't buy those, they were less expensive than the ones I got. The ones I got were usually like 190 200 or 225 But ones were always less expensive than that. My point being here is my theory is as vans grew in popularity, and I think they're like 50 or 60 bucks. Um, and as people were struggling with cash, um, Nike had to make an adjustment saying we can't keep selling $225 shoes. Um, and I even actually, I read something within the last month or so. I told my, my boss who I kind of got into the goat secondary, uh, site where you can buy shoes and so much more. There's goat and it's the other one I don't use stock X probably many other places as well, but I use GOAT. Uh, I read that uh, Nike had, an, had a massive inventory uh, issue, that there was too much of it. I'm like, good, put it all on sale. Like, hey, put shoes that might normally be 200 bucks for like 130 and not ones that you're like, you can look at them and go, those will never sell because they're ugly, but like Jordan. So we'll see. But I, I wonder if Nike um, had to make an adjustment because of where the economy was. Like we got past the point of everybody having all that extra money and inflation was taking money out of people's pockets so they could buy food, which cost more and whatever else. Um, but I wonder if they moved away from the $200 shoe to the lesser, less expensive Jordans, the ones, and definitely the Dunks. And I don't know what thrusted those into popularity, whether Nike smartly planted the seed with an influencer of some kind or an influencer did it themselves. And Nike's like, look, these people, we'd rather sell $190 shoes than six $200 shoes, if that math is how it works out. So I'll ask the experts next week. 
Um, I don't know if Beth Lawson is an expert. I don't feel like I was being misled. Um, she seemed pretty transparent, but I'll let you decide. And to be quite honest, um, I, like I said, I studied hard. I researched as hard as I could. I asked what I thought were helpful questions or insightful questions that would get me good answers. Um, and I didn't hear anything evil or malicious. Um, and as with most things, they are not evil or malicious. There are just people who take advantage of things. There are just bad actors. So let's get some answers now about school choice with Beth Lawson. Beth Lawson, thanks for taking some time to answer some questions. Um, what is your role? What is your position? We've chatted everything besides that. Yes, so I am the Director of Media and Communication at School Choice Ohio, which is a nonprofit working in Ohio to advocate for families and students um, to have educational choices uh, for their students' education, K to 12. Um, we, there's some laws changed over the summertime, and we'll get to that, but things are a lot. We probably went to school maybe like a decade or so apart. Things are drastically different from we, when we were coming up going right. to school, right? Right. Um, can you talk about in these documents that you sent me, and we might take it for granted, so I don't want to, what are the types of schools that kids or parents have options, and I'll run through these, and you can give me the, uh, the upshot with them. There's public education, there's vocational, private education, community charter schools, and non-charter private schools. Can you run through some of those? Yes, so absolutely. The great thing now is that it's in the parents' hands where they want to send their students. Every student is different. I tell people all the time, I have three kids. They're drastically different. And what's right for one child might not be right for another. And so what's great about Ohio is we have a lot of different educational choices to meet the needs of each individual child. Public schools obviously are public. They're funded by the state of Ohio. They are free to attend as our joint vocational schools in our area it might be Penna County is a very popular option yeah. because it gives uh, kids resources and training for life after high school whether it be cosmetology or construction um, there are charter schools charter schools are also a publicly funded educational option um, they function more like a private school in that they are um, uh, able to um, run a little bit differently. Many of them have a special focus like STEM or um, that type of thing. Could you give an example of a charter school, please? Yes. Yeah, so in our area, things like Horizon Science, um, L. Hollingworth is a school I'm very familiar with, um, NOCA, Northwest Ohio Classical Academy, those are all charter schools. They're non-religious. They are funded by the state, but they provide an additional option for parents to choose from. Private schools in the area would be things like Emmanuel Christian, Toledo Christian, uh, Cardinal Stritch, um, Notre Dame, St. John, St. Francis. These are private schools run by a board of directors. They are not funded by the state of Ohio directly, um, and they charge tuition to attend. Um, a non-chartered, non-tax school is a school that has chosen not to be chartered by the state of Ohio. They run completely independently. They do charge tuition, um, but there is no um, state funding for those schools. And then many parents in the state choose home education. They want to take the responsibility of their students' education in their own hands, which is perfectly their right. Um, and they can join co-ops and those kind of things to help round out their students' education but they don't want their students part of a traditional public educational sure. system. Do they have to get any kind of uh, approval so that it's not truancy to be uh, home taught? 
parents do register with our local um, public school building just to make sure the state knows that they are educating their students and they have chosen to uh, fund them privately or home at home. Sure. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the laws that have changed. And if you have read any news, there are lots of opinions on various sides. So let's cut through all that stuff. What changed? How does it affect anybody moving forward? So two years ago, the state, I guess I'll back it up to say that the state uh, passes a two-year budget every two years. And two years ago, the state um, legislators realized that there was a bit of an issue when it came to funding. There's a lot of noise about funding. Some of it was fair. And so they took a look at the funding for our public schools and created what they called a fair funding program. And they are phasing that in. This year's two-year budget passed in July, um, took that a step further. All the educational options in Ohio are funded separately. So we're not taking from one, we're not robbing from Peter, so to speak, to pay Paul. And each option is funded separately, including the state scholarship programs. State scholarship programs are um, ed choice, traditional ed choice. If your student is assigned to a failing school, they have the option, uh, you have an option as a parent to take them to the private school of your choice. Um, And there is scholarship dollars that go through the parent to that school to help cover tuition. The big, um, we'll say, groundbreaking news in July was that our state passed universal school choice. And what that means is every parent in the state of Ohio with a student in K-12 has the option to choose a private school and there is funding that goes through the parent to that school to help with tuition. Um, families whose family uh, adjusted gross income, home income, is 450% of the federal poverty level. So to lay that out in context, <clears throat> a family of four making $130,000 a year would qualify for the full scholarship, which is 8407 for high school, 6165 k to 8 And so um, if a family makes more than that, the scholarship amount would be lesser, but every family gets at least a minimum of $950 for high school, $650 for K-8. That's if they choose to take advantage of the universal ed choice. Correct. And you said uh, a failing public school, I, I think, and I don't need to, to kick any tires on those. Can, um, and I have lots of questions when it comes in this regard. Let's say I don't want to go to failing public school A. Can I go to another public school? Do I have to go to a private or charter school to take advantage of those dollars? So because charter schools and public schools are publicly funded through the state of Ohio, they're be no need for a scholarship to choose a charter or Lake Penna County or the public school. Whether or not you can change within buildings within a district is really up to the school district. Some allow open enrollment, others don't. Uh, what are some other misconceptions I had asked you before we hopped on? I, I have a friend who works for the TPS board, and when I threw this by her, and when I think she heard uh, like school choice, she's like, they're taking money away from public schools. Yeah. Uh, push back on that if you could and give me some clarity. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with how they're funded. I think there was some underfunding, so to speak, and so the state legislators work to correct that. Um, The reality is there is a separate line item in the budget to fund these scholarships, and so they're not taking away from the public schools to fund these scholarships. I think the reality is I'm a parent. My kids are grown. When my boys were young and it was time for them to go to kindergarten, I had one choice. Yeah. 
and homeschooling was definitely not an option for me. Um, I always say one of us would have to be medicated. So my boys went off to the public school, and to be honest, it was fine. When they got to middle school, there were some definite challenges, and I saw a problem with some things, and my husband and I made the choice to send our kids to private. It was a big sacrifice. Um we worked extra jobs to pay that tuition, um, but I felt it was important for my sons to attend a private school. I'm not here to bash any choice as far as school. It's a matter of each individual parent having that option so that they can make the right choice for their students and be responsible for that choice. So um, I, I understand that there is some blowback, there is some um, narrative that's negative in that way. But I think for me, I don't want, as a taxpayer, I don't want to see my local school system be unfunded or defunded to send the handful of kids to a private school. So have as a separate line item is really critical because our kids need good educational options. And I look in Toledo. I was born and raised in Toledo. I know a lot of the schools. I know many of the administrators. There are some really, really great options as far as public education. Yeah. I look at things like Toledo Early College, the Aviation School for TPS. I think they've done an amazing job providing different resources and options for students so that they can live their best life and do what they want to do when they get older. But for some families, that isn't the right option for those students. And so it shouldn't be limited to just the families that can afford that tuition in order to give their cha- their students the best option possible for their education. With that scholarship money, regardless of, of the amount, I'm thinking of a student that doesn't want to go to, and I don't want to pick on anybody, to TPS uh, L and we'll just make yeah. that one up. They don't want to go there, um, but there are some financial challenges outside of paying for the school, even if they get a scholarship. Let's say that that student wants to go to to St. John's. Right. Um, then you are on your own. This is not like a, a bus system that's going to get you there. Can you apply any of that scholarship towards transportation or anything else that might be involved in going to that school? So by law, the local school systems are required to transport students to the school of their choice. There are some limitations to that. And in some cases, I'm dealing with a situation right now for a couple little people that I um, am close to. Uh, There are some transportational challenges, but there is transportation available as long as they live live within a certain number of miles of that school. From a um, income standpoint for parents, there is a maximum to the scholarship, and many times that doesn't cover all of the tuition. But for families whose income falls at or below 200% of the federal poverty level, the, the private school agrees to waive the difference between the tuition and what the scholarship pays. So it really is a possibility for the majority of families to be able to make the educational choice that's right for their students. And I think that's critical. It should not be limited to just families who can afford it. Yeah. What are some of the other misconceptions? What are some of the other common questions that have come your way and things that you feel in the last handful of months with these changes? I think one of the biggest changes is with the scholarships, there's an income verification part of the process um, in order to qualify. This year and this year alone, if people apply for the scholarship, they do have to income verify and that sets their their level of scholarship. Beyond that, unless their income goes down, they would stay at that same scholarship going forward. So that step is 
uh, waived for the majority of the people going forward. Um, another thing is uh, the resources available to families who have special needs students. Um, we need more and more uh, resources for our students with special needs. Um, the state of Ohio um, established both the John Peterson Special Needs Scholarship as well as the Autism Scholarship. One change to John Peterson, there are six categories of the type of intervention services a student would need based on their disability. All those levels, as far as financially, went up. So if a student is hearing disabled, um, needs speech, uh, has autism, um, has traumatic brain injury, there's funding available to get them the resources they need if they choose to go to an outside provider or a private school. Is that in addition to the scholarship that it they can get? It would be an either-or proposition, it. and it can be used for both intervention and educational services. Autism scholarship, there weren't a lot of changes to that, thankfully, um, but one change was that a student can qualify for the autism scholarship without having an IEP in place. An IEP is an individual education plan, and previously the autism scholarship required that to be in place. And sometimes when students are young, when they need those early intervention services, that IEP isn't there. And so now they can qualify for the, that funding and those resources without the IEP. So that was a really good change to that. When is the ideal time to apply for things like this? We are already like a month into a lot of schools already. Let's say I'm a parent or, or whoever listening to this. And now I know I have the option for the next year. When's the ideal time to start the paperwork for all of this? So parents can do it at any time. It's year round. Um, but a lot of it is based on what seats are available at a particular school. I, I've spoken to schools a uh, number of times in the last few weeks. They're still fielding phone calls from parents that want to take advantage or at least uh, investigate the opportunity. But ideally, I used to work in an admissions office. It's really good to start, we'll call it shopping, scheduling tours, visiting schools. You're not going to know unless you go there. You get a feel for what the school is like, what they offer, what the atmosphere is like for a student. Do those tours in November, December, January, and then begin the process um, as long as seats are available in January. How, how long is the process for income verification and other little minutiae like that? Um, all of it can be done online as far as income verification. The application itself has to go through the school that a parent is applying to. So they help schools assist parents in filling out that application, and then they upload it to the state. It can go very, very quickly. Um, right now, they're a little overloaded. I feel a little bit bad for the Ohio Department of Ed because this all went in effect in July, and of course, the school year starts in the second week of August. Right. So they've been a little buried right now, but they are accepting um, scholarships for the full scholarship amount through October 14th. Can, can families, uh, can students switch midstream, mid-school year? Is yes. that possible? Yes. Um, you also mentioned if there's room at particular school. Um, what, what happens if there's not? Is there a waiting list? Do they go to option B? How does that usually work? It really depends on the school. Uh, one thing that I saw, I was in the admissions office of a private school at the time that COVID hit. And that was the biggest flood of phone calls I'd ever seen because parents kind of got a, a real view of what was going on in their students' education and wanted to investigate other opportunities educationally. Um, so seats filled up. 
And so I always recommend to families call, ask what they have available as far as seats. If there is a waiting list, get on the waiting list, look at other options. We aren't, fortunately in Ohio, there's so many options. You're not limited to just, oh, it's my public school or it's this other school. There's a lot of different opportunities for families to take advantage of. You mentioned you have uh, three boys, you said? I have two boys and a daughter. All uh, all completely different. Totally and different. they're beyond this. What insight or advice would you offer to to parents who hear about this, other than to just go out there and, and do your research. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Penta uh, because I think when we went to school and, and, our, and our, our friends went to the tech school down right. the street, we would kind of laugh at them. Like, oh, those are the dumb kids. Those are really smart kids yep. now because they're going to be like electrician apprentices yep. when they're 19 and making 45 grand. What are some, what's some, some um, anecdotal or, or personal advice that you can throw out there that you've seen in your travels to families who might have a kid with a special interest um, in in whatever it might be? I, I am amazed that what this law and what this legislation really did was put everything back in the hands of the parents. As I said, when my boys were going to kindergarten, there was one choice for me. I mean, there were two, but one wasn't a real choice. Right Now parents really can take that responsibility, evaluate their child because nobody knows their child better than them, and then look at the various options that are going to speak to who that child is. Whether it be, I mean, I just saw the recent investment in Toledo Technology. Yeah. That's amazing. I have a son that would have been right up his alley, but it wasn't an option for me with him. So it's really just looking at the different... Um, different kids, seeing you know what they're interested in, what their strong points are, what they really are um, involved in, want to engage in, and then act accordingly and look for options that are really going to speak to that. I think, um, again, all three of my kids are different. My oldest, he would have been the tech guy. My middle one would have planned every party we would have had. And my youngest was one that really needed a challenge as far as honors went. She was in a private school. She was in an honors program. She graduated with honors. She got scholarships to Ohio State. That was what was right for her. It wasn't necessarily right for my boys. So knowing each of my individual kids, taking that responsibility on myself seriously, and then looking at the various options, that's really what parents can do. They have the ability to do now. And maybe keep looking until you get an absolute no in the sense of my kid has this very particular interest. Maybe it's out there somewhere. One place you didn't mention, and uh, I forget why I maybe read about about them within the last handful of months. But we have a Maritime Academy that yeah. sits right on the water, right behind Channel yep. 11. You like water, you like boats and stuff, there you go. Absolutely. Um, I guess one last final uh, challenging question. I don't really even think it's that challenging. Could this lead to something, and they're always, un- unfortunately, unintended consequences. Sure. Could there pretend, is one of the fears for people in public schools, not just here, I get it, public schools in cities all over are struggling. Could it, Could we have the kind of thing where there is an exodus from public schools and they wind up closing? Or is that just more of a nudge to continue to do like what TPS does, technology, aviation, and things like that? Is that one of the fears that you've heard that there's just an exodus from, from students? I think that might be a fear. I don't see it as being realistic. I think the public schools serve a great purpose and there's many great programs within the public schools. I feel like the parents who are saying, you know what, this isn't right for my my child, it's not in the majority. But those families having options is critically important to each child's success. And I think uh, the state of uh, 
I'm sorry, Ohio State University did a recent study on, and it was a blind study. It was not um, nudged in one direction or another, but what were the outcomes of school choice in various states? And what they found is it uh, many of the public schools took on the challenge and made decisions like TPS has done where they offer a variety of programs to speak to more of their students. We're not all the same. You know, and that's a big thing that we have to realize when it comes to education. I think we're going to see education continue to evolve so that our students are best served. Beth Lawson, thanks so much for all this great information. And you probably answered very many questions that people might not even knew they had. Right. Thanks for having me.